Okay, guys. So this was our first remote episode in the VOIP cut out like four or five times on Brandon's end. So forgive my very amateur Frankensteinish editing skills. So this may sound a little bit choppy, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of a warning on the front end, but enjoy the material. It's great material, just very horrible editing. Welcome to the Broken to Unbroken podcast with Dr. Nick Askey, where we dive deep into how to eliminate pain and continue to train. Special guest today is uh, Brandon Bartz. Uh, I've known Brandon for what? 12 years now? It's been a while, man. I don't know. I'd say, I'd say probably 10. Yeah. But a little over 10 years, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, back in the day when we would, uh, sneak you guys into the, the Palmer gym and we would rep out, uh, CrossFit workouts and then your days of starting the gym, it's been a, been a long time, but yeah. we'll go through a lot of that. It's going to be a, a fun, uh, podcast because I was describing, uh, to one of my patients today, um, just your, your background. And I'm like, he's kind of like the Dos Equis man of fitness, uh, and like had a, a career in, uh, in motocross and a lot of background in construction and concrete and, uh, starting a gym and having a family. I mean, it's, there's going to be a lot of good material, so I'm not <laughs> going to steal your thunder on, on the questions, but it's been great to, kind of keep in touch with you, even though we're across the country, because uh, Brandon's up in the Quad Cities area, and, uh, and I'm down in Texas at the office after a day of patience. So uh, we'll kick this off. And uh, first question for Brandon is going to be, um, what was your athletic background before starting uh, Quad City CrossFit, which is what it was called uh, from the onset, and just kind of uh, just go through your background on what you did growing up as a kid and what that developed into and how you got the idea to start the gym. Cool. Yeah. So, um, kind of first and foremost, I mean, I was, I was kind of a hater of the gym, you know, my whole life, unfortunately, uh, you know, I kind of, I'd go to the gym here and there every once in a while with some friends and stuff and, and tried to go to the gym <laughs> throughout my, my racing career a little bit, but I wasn't a big fan. So, um, I played kind of, you know, the, to start at the beginning, I mean, I started, I started racing dirt bikes when I was six years old. Um, so pretty young. And so that was kind of my fitness, you know, I mean, uh, at that age, especially that's more than I say most kids are doing physically. So, uh, I, I continued pretty much all sports, you know, throughout my racing career, pretty much like everybody else did. So, I mean, I played baseball, played soccer, played football, uh, did all those kind of, you know, American sports, so to speak. And, um, all at the same time, just, uh, plugging away, you know, in the motocross scene, just, uh, trying, trying to make a name for myself and, uh, enjoying it every step of the way. So, uh, I was active to say the least, you know, I mean, I never really sat still. Um, my, my dad's the same way. So we <laughs> were always busy and moving, but, uh, um, you know, to, to fast forward a little bit, uh, through high school, I still played a few sports, quit playing football. Um, so, uh, real fast and important piece, uh, I'm 37 years old right now, almost 38. Uh, I weigh 160 pounds and I'm 5'9". Um, so to be clear, a football career was not an option for me. Um, so in high school, I had a, I played football all through grade school and uh, into junior high. And 
was kind of funny. I, I quit playing my, my freshman year because my, my coach, um, who will remain nameless <laughs> was not the nicest guy on the planet. And, uh, Voldemort. <laughs> right. Exactly. He, uh, he, he came to me one day and said, listen, Bart, you got to make a decision. You're either going to ride dirt bikes or you're going to play football. And I was like, dude, I weigh 135 pounds and I'm five, eight, like pretty sure the football career is not one, one I'm going to go after. So that was the end of that. And, uh, I started playing soccer that, that year. Um, and then I continued to wrestle all through high school while I, I, I still raced, uh, on kind of a semi pro level. So I think I picked two sports, you know, wrestling and soccer that, um, best conditioned me for racing, uh, just kind of by nature of, of the training for them, you know? So, um, raced all the way through, uh, uh, 25, 26 years old, uh, raced kind of professionally, I guess you, you know, you would, you would say from 16 to 25 years old. So that was my physical fitness. Uh, I trained quite poorly for the sport in my twenties, to be honest with you. Um, it was probably one of my biggest downfalls was that I just wasn't in good enough shape to, to finish races. I was fast enough to win races. Just, uh, I, I couldn't really give it 110% because, um, I knew that by the end of the moto, if I did that, I wouldn't be able to, to make it around the track. So, uh, ironically enough, I own a gym and teach people how to not do the same thing now. So that's kind of the backdrop, I guess. Nice. So when you, what, what was the, the bar room or napkin conversation that got the idea of starting a CrossFit gym in your head? Um, so when I started CrossFit, and you, you, you can remember this time frame. Um, uh, the, the fast version of that story is that, um, you know, I was actually in Fort Myers on the beach, um, for my wedding. Um, and this would have been 2000 beginning of 2009. And, uh, my brother-in-law Josiah, who is now my, also my business partner, uh, we were hanging out on the beach. I had been kind of done racing for a couple of years and, uh, I wouldn't call myself out of shape by, you know, the, the average standard of, you know, of people, but I wasn't in the shape that I used to be. And I was approaching 30 years old. And I basically was like, you know, like, I feel like at 30, most people make this decision, whether they're just going to give up <laughs> and just kind of, you know, live life out of shape and watch themselves decline year after year after year. Or they say, you know, I'm going to kind of take the bull by the horns and, and take my fitness and health seriously. And I really like kind of had a moment they're like just hanging out where we were like, let's just get in shape. Let's be done with this whole like decline of health thing, you know, and, uh, let's take it seriously. So we got back, uh, to the, to the quad cities after, um, the wedding and, uh, we started doing CrossFit like, uh, myself, Josiah, and then Josiah's cousin, uh, Justin Dean. We, uh, we just, I think he had done it just a little bit before us maybe. And so kind of had some insight on, you know, where to go to look for the workouts, but, we just, we just took off with it. Um, the, the actual first workout they popped up on main site, um, that I did was Murph and, uh, that's a <laughs> trial by fire. <laughs> yeah. So it went about like this. We didn't know that you could partition the middle up. We just thought you had to go straight through as is. So, um, I was a decent runner. So we jogged a mile, uh, came back into the gym. Uh, one of the only like staples in my training as a motocross racer was I did a ton of pull-ups. Uh, I like did pull-ups every morning and every night, uh, in my basement. Um, so I was good at those. So I, I got through the hundred pull-ups strict, of course, and, um, got to the push-ups 
And I think I made it to like 125 or 130. And I looked over at the other guys who are still working on pull-ups and I was like, I think I'm done. This is, this is the extent of my abilities for today. And uh, we called it quits. So that was CrossFit day one for me. Everyone has those days. I still do. <laughs> um, where you just realize you, you hit the body's uh, carrying capacity and it's like, all right, I'm done. And pretty soon it's not going to be my mental choice. It's going to be a physical choice made for me. All right. So despite technology, we are back. Uh, and that's one thing with multiple locations and internet connections and all that fun business. Uh, but like we were saying, I was uh, kind of thinking back about the early days when you guys were signing up your uh, your first members at your grand opening. And uh, I think I was probably in the, the first, uh, at least first dozen members. And uh, it was just really fun because it was a great community. It was kind of a build as you go uh, grand opening. Like you guys had a lot of stuff done, but there was a lot of days I'd come in and you were in the gym with a welder building <laughs> something new. Uh, so just it's got to be cool for you to look back at those beginnings on uh, how scary, but also how fun it was back then. And we'll just kind of bridge into uh, what's different what, what kind of facelift and development have you had as a gym, as a, uh, as a business in like, just go from like where you were and what the biggest changes and developments are from present day to when you guys started? Yeah, man, things are like a night and day difference, really. It's kind of crazy. Um, I mean, like you said, when we started, um, we didn't even know at the time that there was a such thing as a CrossFit gym. Like when we started, like we just thought it was like CrossFit.com people following it. So, um, our decision to start a gym really was kind of like for lack of one being available, you know, we were like, well, let's, let's, let's try this out. Um, I, I had actually first mentioned that Josiah start one. Um, I had kind of had a, a pretty good gig going work-wise and was fairly happy where I was at the time anyway. And, um, so, I mean, to give the backdrop of what the foundation was on day one, I mean, we both took out personal loans for like five grand and that's what we started with. So we didn't have a lot. Um, I mean, I built the first pull-up rig uh, just from, I mean, I just, you manufactured it in my garage and brought it over, put it together on, you know, on the spot and built some squat racks and there we went, you know, so we had 17 members start the gym kind of at the first, first go around, you know, you were, you were definitely in the top 10 there <laughs> for sure. Um, and, and so really we just watched, you know, from 2009 to now, if you've been a part of the, the CrossFit community, um, we just were a part of that entire change and development that, that we, you know, we've all seen. I mean, um, you know, for a couple of years we were by ourselves, we we're the only gyms, you know, up and running. And I actually think we opened our second location, uh, before anybody else in the quad cities actually you know, open another gym. So shortly after that, um, there was kind of a flood of gyms that come into the area. Like there were, you know, I think in many areas in the, in the United States and, um, things, things got tougher. I mean, you know, obviously you have competition and it, it but it, but it really brings out the best and, you know, makes you kind of buckle down and figure out what you're all about and what you're trying to do. So, um, I think the biggest difference is we understand, um, health and fitness as a whole, just a ton better than we did back then. And, and our program and our gym and our atmosphere and all those things really reflect that. And, um, you know, we've, we've just changed how we train athletes and, and what we expect of them. And, and, uh, 
you know, how we go about it. It's just totally different, man. It's, 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 it's kind of crazy to watch old videos and from the first days of it and watch the stuff that we did. And, uh, it's cool to see the learning curve because it's, we wouldn't have, <laughs> I sure wouldn't have trained, uh, I sure wouldn't train an athlete today. Like I, I allowed myself to train in the early days, you know? Yeah. And what would you say just as far as general concepts, not necessarily like nitty gritty specifics, mm -hmm. but what would be some of your biggest, like, if you could look at your coaching or just how you ran your business early on, what would be your biggest, like palm slap to the forehead moments of like, that was really dumb, like that we did that, or we do this so much better now, what would be the big, like general concepts that you would say? Um, I mean, I think that you just, I've, I've realized over time that, you know, and it's, we, we realized it a long time ago, it's just learning to implement it properly is, you know, you have to stick to the basics and, um, you have to get really good at the fundamentals of just general movement, uh, before you start piling a bunch of other movement on top of, you know, bad mechanics and, and, uh, just a, you know, a bad squad or anything like that. It's just making sure that the athletes are educated in the same way that we are educating our coaches, um, making sure that they understand the importance of good quality movement so that they can build, you know, more of the kind of fun, sexy, like CrossFit style stuff on top of, of a good foundation instead of building on something that's going to fall apart. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a key takeaway is it can look very daunting and overwhelming to your average athlete. Like, all right, we got hundreds of different movements and exercises, but if you break it up like Kelly Starrett does into these archetypes or these basic fundamental movements, like squatting, hinging, like hip extension, things like that, uh, it becomes a lot more simple to clean these things up in, in your athletes and then teach them that like, all right, if we can teach you how to hinge and squat and, and pull from the right areas in your shoulder, and know what a neutral spine is before we load it. Uh, those things are basic fundamental concepts that a lot of times at these Groupon gyms, they kind of get left in the dust because you have a lot of new members, maybe a new coaching staff. Uh, there's very different growth strategies that I saw in place in your guys' early years uh, than some of the, the strategies that have to take place in this new and crowded market. Uh, where people have to bump up their volume uh, with uh, Groupon strategies or these six-week challenge strategies where you have a bunch of uh, short-term uh, members in the gym that aren't really going to learn and they're taking time and resources away from your, your really long-term members. All right, so it may sound like the remix, but that's because it is. Uh, and we're cutting out every six to eight minutes. So those are like my mile splits. <laughs> if, if we were doing Brandon's mile splits, we'd be cutting out every five minutes. Oh, that's not true. Uh, so <laughs> we're talking growth strategies and what is healthy and, and things like that and breaking the movement patterns up into their, their fundamentals so that it's not like basically a wall ball, a thruster and a front squat are all the same, but they just have different equipment involved. And if your members understand that it's less daunting to go, okay, you need to clean up this one movement and all three of these get better and you get stronger and we can add volume on it. So if you teach people that they're like, oh, okay, this isn't as daunting because I need to learn five things uh, instead of 250 things. Um, so what, what got hard or what did you see 
that was different with all these other gyms popping up in the in the quad cities and in the surrounding areas what strategy what strategies did you see happening that were different from your or very organic early on growth uh as a gym that you you didn't really need to use those strategies because you were the first one in the market so did you see any different strategies happening uh with some of those other gyms yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, gyms in the area that are doing Groupon stuff and just trying to, you know, bring in 30, 40 people as fast as possible and then hope to hold on to 10 of them, you know, I mean, that's kind of a normal gym strategy of growth, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, we did a little bit of that. I don't think that we did a ton of it, but I think the thing that at the end of the day, we, we saw lacking and why we made a bunch of changes that we made were that early on when you have 50, 60, 70, even up to just a hundred members, um, a couple of good owners can stay, you know, plugged in relationally with, with everyone. And, and, you know, you know, all the people, you know, them by name, you know, you know how their diet is, you just know, you know, what their life's all about and you're connected. And, um, as you grow, uh, and get past that hundred, 150 number and you start getting where your gym's, you know, pretty big and you have two locations, um, you just lose that connection and it's, it's really not possible to, to maintain. So, um, your, your back door just gets big, you know, like people are coming in and people are leaving and, and you almost don't even know what's happening until it's too late. So, um, I think a lot of gyms still run off that, you know, that sort of mentality. They just try to bring as many as they can in and hope like heck that they stay. And if they don't, you know, they move on. So, um, and at least the theme here in, in San Antonio, and this may make some people butthurt is gyms get to a certain carrying capacity in a certain size and then drama happens either coaching staff leave there's a coup it gets clicky people can't keep their private parts in their pants and they start banging other people's old ladies uh and it just drama ensues so it seems like everything kind of self-corrects to this happy medium number of members um because like there's only so many human beings that can get along uh to where there ends up being too many chiefs and not enough Indians. And then there's just huge uh, breakups that happen and there's tons of drama and Lululemon flying around the gym. Uh, and so that's what seems to happen down here. And I'm sure it's pretty much the same up there. Uh, so we're going to bridge into a little different topic on what would you say the most challenging aspect is of being a gym owner? Cause some people, if they have this nine to five job or their job is super hectic, they may think, all right, this guy gets to go to work and workout clothes. Like he has no excuse not to be fit because he lives in the gym. This can't be that hard. Like you get to work out all the time and you get to train people. Like you don't really have to think like this can't be a bad gig, but <laughs> what are like the, the biggest challenges of being a gym owner? Man, there's, there's a few, I mean, but I think they come seasonally, you know, like you kind of go get through something and everything seems to be good. And then something else kind of decides to pop up as far as a challenge. But I mean, for, for me, um, I think it comes down to, uh, <laughs> portraying my vision through my coaches and, and providing a constant, like safe, fun, enjoyable environment for, for everybody to work out in that, that doesn't have the things like you're saying in it. Like, you know, it's, it's almost like those, those things, like you said, like the, the drama, the stuff that comes up, all that I, it's, 
when you have 300 people, you know, moving through a space or a couple spaces, there's a lot of personalities to manage um, and a lot of personalities to deal with. And I think that you become, you know, you become more of a therapist in some ways uh, than a coach. And you just, you know, and that's fine. I think that's all part of the gig. And I think it's an important part of it, but it's definitely the most challenging part. It's just, there's a lot of people that you're trying to make happy and a lot of people that you're trying to um, get fit and a lot of people that you're trying to provide a place to do so, um, you know, on a, on a daily basis and it changes a lot. So that's a pretty big challenge. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And uh, just because you have to manage different learning styles because some people learn by watching, some people learn by doing, some people need uh, external cues like, all right, lift your belt buckle toward the ceiling. And some people need more detailed cues. So I'm sure it's tough to mentally catalog what people need and what their strengths and weaknesses are uh, and what their injury histories are. You almost have to be a, a, a walk in Rolodex to remember all that. And the more members you get and the more turnover you get, the harder that gets, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, and some changes we've made as far as, you know, being able to correct those things and, and manage those things is, you know, we run a system where our, our coaches are in charge of X amount of their clients and of our clients rather. And, and, you know, they are basically connected to them. Like we were connected to our first 50 members, you know, and we just, we really promote, you know, that style of training as far as uh, a staff goes, you know, we want to make sure that everybody's kind of getting their hand held through the first six to eight months of, of their training and that they're meeting their goals and their nutrition's on point. And, uh, you know, so we've, we put some systems in place that have really helped us do that. And, uh, it, it's, it's really taken a lot of that pressure off of, of us as owners to, to have to know every single detail, you know, like you said, it like be a walking Rolodex because it's impossible at some point. Um, and, and really just put a lot more of our time and energy, uh, invested into our coaching staff and, and make them, you know, as capable and, and, and good as they can be to, uh, to do those, do that job, you know? Yeah. I think that's a great strategy because you see it in a lot of organizations. They, they break up into these little scrums to where, uh, you get a lot of work done in these smaller groups and you don't make people feel alienated. I mean, down here in Texas, there are churches bigger than my hometown by a lot. Uh, and they have to make sure that people feel welcome and, and that they're not just getting lost in the shuffle. And how they do that is just having smaller group meetings because, I mean, there's churches that have like 3,500 people that come on a Sunday morning and uh, that's got to be daunting to to help all of those people, let alone make them feel like part of a community and a group when we have a hard time as a as a gym sometimes is like 150 and mm -hmm. they're not there with all of their life challenges and family needs. They're there for like, all right, like this helps me be a better human being and I feel better about myself because of what I'm achieving in your gym. Uh, and so I think that's a, a great strategy to carry over. Uh, but it does take some trust to delegate some of that stuff to your coaches that they're, they're going to do a good job and that they're going to represent you in, in, in the company, um, in, in the way that you want it represented. So that, that takes some, some maturity as a leader to be able to go, okay, I trust my people that that's going to get done right. So I'll, I'm not going to stress out about it because it's going to get done. Yeah, it's, and it is, that's, you know, it's a, you know, we spent the first, let's just say five, six years, whatever, um, for myself personally, I was like, man, just be the best coach you can possibly be like, learn everything you can, you know, possibly learn. And, 
Um, I, I personally take a lot of ownership over like, over, uh, things that pop up and, you know, in, in my gym, like if I see, you know, if I see something that I can't figure out, uh, why someone's moved a certain way or why they're in pain, you know, I'm, well, sometimes I'm on the phone with you <laughs> trying to figure it out, but, uh, but you know, I, I reach out and try to find everything I can, but so four or five, six years of that transitioning into me having to take a step back from that role and saying like, that's, that's so important in my business. And I still, as a coach need to be able to do those things, but more saying like, I need to be able to manage these people and motivate them to, to do the same thing is a total shift in, in, you know, my mindset and what I'm there for. So it's been, it's been a, a learning curve for me and it's brought up, you know, and showed me where I'm weak as a leader, where I'm not, you know, quite capable of doing that in some areas. So, um, it's always good to grow though. So, I mean, it's, it's been challenging for me and, and thankfully, man, we have, we do have an amazing staff at the foundation. Um, we have great people that, that really truly care about, you know, what they're, what they're doing every day. So, um, and we have a couple of coaches that have been on board since you were there. So, uh, I mean, Leah's, Leah's still with us and, nice. um, you know, you've, you've known her, the, you know, the, throughout the whole thing. So, uh, thankfully we, you know, we have a great staff that, that are patient with us as we learn to manage them and, and, you know, they do a great job of both sides of it. So. And those listening, since I'm terrible at writing canned introductions, they may be thinking, all right, what is the foundation? Um, and that's going to kind of segue us into our next question is you guys, how many years did QCCF make the games? Uh, three. Okay. So three you're at years. the games in front of an international crowd on TV three times. What what motivated you to rebrand the gym? Because that's a big step when you've had that much exposure and that much notoriety as a gym. Uh, it's easy if you're just like some hang a shingle up and you had 40 members and you never made it onto the big stage. But when you've made the dance three years, like what was the motivation to rebrand the gym and what was all behind that? Um, so I kind of have to go backwards a little bit on this to go forward, but um, I think, you know, I don't know the year exactly, but let's just say in that 2011, 2012, uh, range, we started to see CrossFit training change quite a bit. And it really started to become about the games. It started to become about the competition. And as the CrossFit games started to be aired on ESPN and, and started to get, you know, a lot of exposure, um, people, coaches, gyms, all, I mean, us even started to lose sight of what CrossFit originally started to be. Um, and I think that when CrossFit started, uh, I can't speak for Greg Glassman, but I, I don't know that the everyday athlete that he was trying to train, um, I don't think his goal was to train them like a competitive professional athlete. I think his goal was to say, Hey, let's, let's, you know, make, let's find our runners and let's teach them to lift enough to be sufficient in that capacity. Let's find you know gymnasts and teach them to run a little bit and, and have some strength training. And we just want to create a really well-rounded general purpose human being. And I think that that got lost somewhere years ago. And I think that everybody said in, in order to, in order to train and in order to measure success in a gym, you have to use these, you know, I don't know, these markers of the CrossFit games or alike things to say, Hey, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And I find that totally untrue. And I found that to be a really, really damaging kind of direction to go for a gym and for your general population. So, um, 
that was kind of the initial piece of it. You know, that's what started the thought. Like, do we want to be called a CrossFit gym? Do we want to be known as a CrossFit gym? Um, and, and what do we do if that the answer is no, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that you bring up a good point too, because I've seen it break like cleave gyms in two to where you have your like competition workout and then you have your normie workout in the, the people that are not that they, they may be on their war path to becoming a better human being, but they may still have 30 extra pounds on their frame and they're motivated and they, they do want to compare themselves against the elite athletes in the gym, just to like, not necessarily to get discouraged, but to, to look and see what's possible. And if they're not even in the gym at the same time, uh, because the, the competitive group is sequestered in a corner, uh, training with the, the real golden workout and you kind of get the scraps. Um, it, it kind of cleaves the gym in two and it does something very unique to the culture. Yeah, no, we saw that. I mean, we saw that happen over and over again. And, um, I mean, it brings a good point to light. Like if you want to be, a, if you want to be on the level that it takes to be in the CrossFit games, um, your training doesn't necessarily look like, you know, the training of somebody who just comes into me and says, you know what, I want to be a little more fit. I play sand volleyball and like to do that. And I want to jump a little bit higher and I want to just feel better, be healthier. Like your workouts aren't the same workouts, you know, and, and I, I don't think that they should be. So I think that when we said, Hey, let's, let's, let's rebrand, let's change directions. Um, we had already started changing directions in our programming and how we treated, you know, how we treated our new clients and what that system looked like. Um, but we just needed to, to have a stamp, I guess, on the outside of all of it that said, we're not a CrossFit gym. And, and the reason that I say that so boldly is, um, I think so many CrossFit gyms have went down the wrong path that we're talking about here where they train every single client, like they're a games athlete. And, uh, we just, you know, we didn't want people to think that about us. And, and, you know, a statement that I heard made by another gym owner that did the same thing, you know, and it kind of rung really true with me was he said, I was really tired of explaining who I wasn't before I got to tell them who we were. And, and I thought about it, I'm like, you know, it's so true. Like every new member that came in the gym, they're like, oh, we always hear how CrossFit, you know, people get hurt all the time. The injury rate's super high. And I'd have to sit there and be like, well, you know, we're not like every CrossFit gym and we don't expect you to do muscle ups, you know, by the time you're six months old in the gym and we don't expect this. And, you know, we had to sit there and explain for 15 minutes, the things that we didn't do and all just because our name was affiliated with, with, you know, with CrossFit and, uh, and so it just was, it was kind of an easy decision once we started looking at it from that perspective. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of current CrossFit affiliates are struggling with is the stigma of injury. And I think CrossFit is, has really taken on different points of emphasis every year. I know a couple of years ago, their point of emphasis was you don't have to be in shape to start CrossFit. And then now they've been in all the battles with the NSCA um, with like the, the whole rhabdo talks and all the injuries. All right. So we made it 16 whole minutes this time. So we're still tailing off on my mile splits. So, uh, so we're talking about how it, it used to be like, okay, everyone, um, looked for a CrossFit gym. And now that CrossFit has become uh, a lot more common, very fast growing fitness trend and it's my opinion that the faster something grows, the sloppier it, it gets. Um, 
because if you grow super fast, it, we can kind of take it out back into that microcosm of the Groupon growth strategy is you're not going to get consistent results across the board and CrossFit intentionally does not regulate and micromanage their gyms. So you're going to get a lot of variance in programming and, and quality of training and, in, and coaching, but it, you almost have to defend yourself now if you're a CrossFit affiliate because people come in with those um, preconceived notions of I'm going to get hurt. I need to be in shape before I start CrossFit. Uh, this is intimidating. And there's, uh, there's a lot of barriers now to uh, current CrossFit affiliates to where it's almost like you're, you're combating all of these interview questions before you even get to explaining what your philosophy is as a gym. And there's a lot of parallels with that in traditional chiropractic is like, I don't like this may get me strung up at Palmer, but like if people ask me what I do, I'm like, all right, I'm a manual therapist. I do, I do manual therapy and rehab. Uh, I don't say like, if someone asks me like what my background is, I'm like, yeah, I went to chiropractic school. Uh, but I don't like in casual conversation out to eat. I'm not like, oh, I'm a chiropractor um, because there's so much variance because the only thing to regulate our profession other than the third party payers are our, our state boards. So there's a lot of people um, that have different styles of practice than me. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's what makes us a cool profession. But I'm. Um, I, I kind of have the same philosophy with my own profession that I spent a lot of money to learn about. Um, just like the affiliates spend a lot of money to be an affiliate. So in, in essence, like I, I still have my credentials and my license, but I kind of did the same thing as you guys did to kind of get out of the rat race and, and differentiate myself a little bit rather than just uh, staying in the, in, in the, the lanes of traffic, so to speak. Yeah, no, it's, and what's crazy is, you know, and I see this in your, in your kind of practice and how you work too, is that, you know, you don't want to limit yourself either to like, well, if it's not considered like chiropractic by term, then I'm not going to use that to like make people healthier, right? Like that's not a way to look at it. Um, it may be your main source of education, just like CrossFit. I'll never ever say that CrossFit didn't do something amazing for us in our business, in our lives, in our health, because it did but I'm not going to stop there. Like, I'm not going to say, Oh, well, it's not considered CrossFit and I'm a CrossFit gym. So I'm not going to use that type of training. And I think if you have that mindset at all, then, you know, you're, you're really limiting yourself your, and your growth and the progress of your, of your clients. And, you know, so, you know, we, uh, we love to see that things like Westside Barbell are really showing their face, uh, in the fitness industry and in the CrossFit industry specifically, because, I mean, I believe in, in their style of training. And I think what's amazing about it is that it's very integratable into, into your traditional CrossFit style of training and produces a lot better long-term result. And that's just one example of a lot of different types of fitness that you can bring into, into our gym and, and use to, uh, you know, to just generally meet the needs of the people, which is our goal and provide them with some training and programming that in an atmosphere that, you know, makes them better in life. So it's, I never want to limit ourselves. Yeah. And I think that was a cool parallel that I didn't really think about until we got into it. Uh, so we're going to move on to like, whenever I look at like how much you get done um, and just the diversity of your backgrounds and what you continue to do and that you'd never really kind of drop anything totally, like you're back on the bike. 
Um, you're down here uh, visiting me on occasion, like supervising huge concrete pours. Um, how do you balance your training, your business, uh, like side jobs, your your hobbies, and your family without like feeling like you're totally dropping the ball on on any of those? I, I like with me, it's easy because I don't have kids. Um, I I keep my wife happy. I stay in touch with my parents. Uh, enough so that 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 relationship is strong. I stay in touch with my brother enough, uh, but I don't have a lot of spinning plates. So it's just like I I kind of have work and home life, but you seem to have a lot more plates spinning. So can you talk about just uh, maybe some challenges with that, and then some things that you've uh, found are successful for managing all those different aspects of your life? Yeah, man. I mean, that's, that is probably the biggest challenge in my life. Um, is that, uh, I'm kind of a jack of all trades, master of none in a way. Right. So, I mean, I, I, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely, um, I try to have a little bit, a little bit of grace on myself in areas that I never used to. Like, I know that I'm not going to be a perfect parent and I know that I'm not going to be the perfect coach or the perfect gym owner. Um, and you know, I'm not going to make everybody happy all the time, which is kind of my nature. I, I really want to, I'm a people pleaser, man. So, um, in all those areas that you talk about, I do want to be excellent and I want to be the best I can be. And I think over time, I've just learned that that's not real life. And that if I want to be involved in all those areas that being okay at them is okay. I don't have to be the best motocrosser. Um, you know, I don't have to be the best gym owner, though. I, I want to be good at my job. Um, I've just kind of learned to extend a little bit of kind of grace, you know, to myself in those areas when I'm not the best at them, you know, um, because it is tough. Like I do feel like sometimes I'm robbing time from my family so I can, so that I can go train some motocross kids and, and kind of give them some of the, you know, the fitness expertise that I have now that I never had as a, as a young, young racer, you know? So, uh, that's just one example, but you know, you're always kind of, it's always a balance of time and, and, and prioritizing things. But, um, man, I get, I, you know, I get them out of balance often and it's just a matter of, you know, having, um, you know, helpful people around me that can kind of help me see when I'm out of balance a little bit and guide me back in the right direction so that, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not totally dropping the ball on anything, you know, at once, but, um, I, I, I don't know, I operate the best in a little bit of organized chaos. And I think that's kind of what draws me to group training in general and, and having all the, you know, the craziness going on in my life. It's kind of where I'm the most comfortable. Yeah. And I just like to pick people's brains when they have that many things going on and they, they're still able to manage it. Uh, so that, that was a great answer on kind of not hanging on to that perfectionist mindset on, oh, I have to be the absolute uh, mistake-free version of all pieces of this pie because it's not sustainable and you'll drive yourself nuts uh, trying to be perfectionist in all aspects of life. And I think that's a, a good parallel to CrossFit because it's like mm -hmm. you, you can't be tens across the board because you got to rob Peter to pay Paul. Like if you put on a bunch of muscle mass to deadlift 700 pounds, you're going to slow down running. And uh, like CrossFit in its old like pre-Bach aromas days, uh, it was like, all right, if you're a stereo equalizer for fitness, uh, you want to be six or sevens across the board. And if you have a weakness, you work on it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that is an interesting parallel to having a lot of plates spinning in your life. You're just trying to be uh, in the t 
kind of top tier, but not necessarily absolute top of the totem pole in all those areas so that you're not failing and you're succeeding and, and you're kind of a six or seven on the equalizer. And if one area of your life needs a little bit more attention, then it's like, all right, let's, let's crank this up to 10 and mend this up and then kind of settle back into equilibrium again. Yeah. And I think one key point to that is, you know, if you want to keep that parallel going, like you're saying, is that having coaches, so to speak, or people in your life that are, you know, better than you in all those areas. So like example, like I, I, I'm a welder and a fabricator a little bit and went to school to be a machinist and know my way around metal pretty well. But, you know, people are like, Oh dude, you know, it's crazy. You're such a good welder. And you do this in the back of my mind. I'm like, I know two or three guys that, you know, I go to that are tenfold the welder that I am. Right. And so I have all these people in my, like an example too, would be, you know, I use you as an example a lot because you know, sometimes people are like, wow, you really know the body really well and how it works. And gosh, you're like, you know, they like pump me up. Like I'm, you know, I know everything about how the human body moves and works. And I'm like, eh, I just actually have friends out there that, you know, I stay in touch with that know way more than I do. And, and, and I, I like to pick their brain and learn from them. So I think it is, you know, life's a lot like that same thing you're talking about. Like you just, you have to know where to put emphasis and when to do it. Uh, to try to bring yourself up to par, so to speak, in, in certain areas. So I, uh, like I said, I know, I know people smarter me than ev- in every capacity of, of life that I'm interested in, which, you know, I guess keeps me, <laughs> keeps me humble for the most part. Cause it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to be, like you said, a 10 out of 10 in, in 10 different areas. Yeah. So we're going to kind of tail this off with uh, just some things that you've been exploring in the future because we talked a lot about the past and origins of the gym and where you came from, where you're at in the present. Uh, Talk a little bit about just kind of things you've been tinkering with lately on your training, your nutrition, uh, just some things that uh, you've been messing around with and and just little curiosities that you've been uh, dipping your toes in the water. Um, Yeah, so I've been kind of as a sport, so to speak, if you, if there's anything that I am, I'm, I'm kind of a runner, you know, as of late and I've, I've been running pretty consistently for quite a while, but in the last couple of years, I've taken a little more seriously and it's, um, you know, I trail run, you know, probably five days out of the week. And, um, it's, it's my kind of go-to training right now. And it's, it's definitely my getaway too. So, um, I've messed around with the idea of doing some ultras and getting into a little bit longer training. Um, so I've been kind of toying with that and, you know, following some people that I feel like are successful in that world and kind of listening to what they're doing and, um, trying to adapt some of their practices, but, um, the nutrition aspect of it's tough for me. I think, I think I'm learning a little bit more and more about it, uh, as far as like how to fuel your body properly to do that longer stuff. Um, when, you know, your body doesn't really, my body personally doesn't really love it as far as the, the fueling side of things go. Um, and I'm learning that if you, if you run really lean, like if your body's, I'm, I'm kind of a lean character, uh, I can eat about whatever I want and stay, you know, 8% body fat. And so a lot of people hate me for that, but the, the unfortunate part is you don't have a lot of, um, excess, you know, excessive fuel deposits in your body ready to go when you're out past that hour, hour and a half marker, you kind of get, you know, depleted pretty quick. So, um, I'm toying with a lot of that stuff. And, and what's cool about it is from a coaching perspective, um, I'm, I'm really enjoying coaching runners right now and trying to get more and more involved with, you know, runners of all type, um, especially some of the more, the more elite people that are trying to hit some, some specific goals. And, uh, I'm, I'm loving the correlation between 
um, you know, running technique, strength training and running itself, like figuring out, you know, what muscles need to be really uh, tuned in and ready to go in order to run long distance. And, um, you know, seeing a correlation between, you know, Hey, we strengthen the hamstrings and we're figuring out how to get the hamstrings to fire faster. And for longer periods of time, how does that affect your running technique? And then how does that in turn affect, you know, your energy level over time and your ability to run longer and all that kind of stuff. So, um, if there's any direction I'm kind of pulled in to learn more and more, it's definitely the, you know, the endurance world and running specifically, um, whether or not myself as an athlete, whether I'll get too involved in, you know, running ultras or anything like that, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm super pumped on actually training, you know, those type of runners for sure. That's awesome. And those of you that are half listening, you may have thought that there was a little bit of a contradiction there on me making the reference of a 700 pound deadlift uh, and being a slower runner. Uh, don't misunderstand me saying that strength training does not help running speed, but to get to a 700 pound deadlift, you have to put on body mass, you have to eat a pile of food and you have to dedicate a pile of your training to strength. And there's, there's only so much training that you can do. So to put the time under the bar to put up, lift up 700 pounds off the ground, you're going to be spending the bulk of your waking hours pulling weight off the ground and not training miles uh, on the trail. So you're just kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul, so to speak. So the strategies involved of being in the top echelon of both of those sports are kind of in opposition. But if you're in that middle ground and you just need to strengthen your hamstrings, strength training is really going to going to add to that, especially if you're just a runner that hasn't done a bunch of strength training, that's going to really be a valuable aspect of your training to make it more well-rounded. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, that brings up a good point of something we've been talking a lot about. And, you know, one of my, you know, training partners and one of my coaches, and he's actually a business partner as well. A good friend, um, you know, Alex Connors is kind of, and you know, Alex, but he, he's starting to get more into running and we've been chatting a lot about, you know, what it looks like to have certain goals. And, you know, he's like, oh, I want to, you know, still be able to back squat 400 pounds and I still want to be able to do this. And I still want to do that and run a 5k at this time and all that. And it's, um, he's starting to realize, and, and I've realized over time that, you know, when you really want to be versatile like that, um, it's the training and your programming and all that stuff. It's really, really tricky because your body's only able to give, you know, hundred percent effort to, to a certain number of things in a day and in a week and in a month and whatever. And so, you know, it's, it's tricky to really figure out how to be versatile and, and an elite, you know, in, in many areas. So, um, the running world, what's, what's really cool about it and why I guess I'm so drawn to it to that point is that most of your, the runners that you run into are spending a hundred percent of their time running and that's it. So they're missing a huge opportunity, um, you know, to, to strengthen muscles, uh, and strengthen, you know, certain areas of their body that are going to make them a better runner so one of the interesting things about you know working with runners and one of the biggest opportunities is that you know obviously you only have like i've said you only have so much time and energy and and, and effort to put into training and most of the runners that you're running into that you're that are even on the elite level are doing almost 100 percent of their their training just running so it's a huge opportunity to to show them a different style of training that's going to be supplemental to their running but also you know keep them a lot healthier a lot more stable and, um, you know, I've just seen, seen that opportunity kind of crazy in front of me lately and, and trying to get, you know, 
get with some of those guys and, and spend some time with them. And, you know, the, the trick though, is to get them to break away from the, the mold that they're used to, you know, long traditional style training. And, uh, even just, you know, coming to the gym one day a week is tough for some of them. So, but I do think over time, you know, as I get more opportunity to prove what, what I believe is true in that training, that, um, it'll be a really cool segue into, into something new for us. Nice. Well, I look forward to getting you back on the podcast in probably a few months. Cause I know that we're all learning, growing, changing, and just kind of seeing what you figure out on the fueling and get us an update on your trail running adventures, as well as the, the people you're training. Um, so if people want to put a face with uh, a voice, what, what are the ways that people can get in contact with you or take a peek at the gym? Like what, what ways can they do that? Uh, yeah. So the, the gym website is the foundation.fit and, uh, you can go on there and check us out and learn all about what we do and, um, you know, look at us there or look us up the foundation on Facebook. Um, and my Instagram is bbarts17. Uh, you can check me out there if you want to, um, post a lot of family photos, stuff with my kids and, you know, my dogs and running and things like that. So, uh, just kind of a, a all around sort of page for me just to, to show life. So, uh, feel free to check that out. Excellent, man. Well, it's great catching up with you. Thank you for taking the time on, on this Friday afternoon to kind of test out this uh, technology that we obviously need to, to iron out and we'll see how good I am at, at voice editing. This may sound a bit robotic, but I appreciate it, man. And hopefully I'm a little better at this next time we sit down and chat and uh, you enjoy your weekend and say hi to everyone at the gym for me and say hi to the family and um thanks again yeah thanks man appreciate you Nick. thank you all right have a good one brother Bye.